Welcome to Mindful Talk, brief conversations about mindfulness in the workplace and at home. I am your host, Lauren Wessinger. And I'm your host, Misty Anderson. And this podcast is brought to you by The Mindful Project. The Mindful Project helps you elevate the culture of your business by bringing mindfulness practice to you and your staff through in-person and virtual learning. Contact us through our website, themindfulproject.co, for more information. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Mindful Talk. I have my son, Carson, here with us today, and we want to talk for just a little bit about a topic that we're calling the mindful athlete. And the title for this podcast is based off of George Mumford's George Mumford's book, The Mindful Athlete, and a course that Carson recently completed called The Mindful Athlete with George. And George Mumford, if you're not familiar with who he is, was the meditation coach for the Lakers and worked with Phil Jackson and has since worked with hundreds of elite athletes. He was Kobe Bryant's mindfulness coach. He was Michael Jordan's mindfulness coach. And Kobe especially attributes George Mumford for his success in basketball. And so it was a real honor to to have these weekly evening Zoom calls with George and just have him there with us live and answering questions. And he's just a really, really interesting, skilled meditation teacher. So Carson, thank you so much for being here with me today. Hi. Hi. <laughs> So just to give Carson some props, he's 15 years old and, you know, recording a podcast when you're 15 is um, a little out of the ordinary. So he's a really good sport and I have officially hired him to be on this podcast. So this is a paid gig. (laughs) So he has prepared a little bit for this podcast. I am going to ask him some questions. Hopefully he'll share some of his own experience, but... Maybe we can start with how you're currently using mindfulness practice in the sport of basketball personally today. Oh, well, it helps a lot with my focus on the court, like staying with my head in the game. And then it also helps me like get through if I get angry with myself, it helps me breathe through that. Awesome. Yeah, when you say keeping your head in the game, um, I know for you, one of the things, this is for any athlete, um, you know, missing something and, like you said, getting angry at yourself, does it help you to move on more quickly? Or is that at least the goal? Well, it's one thing that I learned from this course is... Like, if you mess up, don't let it, don't keep it in your mind. Just, like, take a moment and reset your mind and focus on getting the next thing better instead of just letting that one mess up ruin your whole night Mm -hmm. or ruin the thing that you're trying to do. I think that's really powerful because, you know, I don't know if George said this in the course. I feel like he did, but this is from another mindfulness researcher, but 
our mind is like Velcro for negative experiences. So like we mess up and our mind wants to hold on to that. And then it's like Teflon for positive experiences. So you might have a really good thing happen during a game and how we, we kind of move through that so quickly without letting ourselves absorb that we did a good thing, you know? So I think that's really powerful. The, the, the skill of, of moving on after a mistake, because hanging on to that mistake is staying in the past and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. Yeah. Okay. What else? Um, I use it like before a game to make sure that I'm ready to play because if I, like if before the game, I don't think about what I want to do or how I want to play, then it won't, I won't be focused and then I'll come out playing bad or worse than I would. Nice. So you use it in a preparatory way. Yeah. Like visualization Uh, or... Yeah, or just like, just thinking about how I want it to be. Yeah, yeah, like choosing your attitude about it. Yeah. Right? Kind of psyching yourself up or hyping yourself up inside with your mind. I think that's really good. How do you use mindfulness practice and what you've learned through basketball and the practice? How do you use that at school or with friends? Well, uh, one thing that I learned in the course was like, it's good to have focus like a laser beam. So if I'm like in class and we're doing a test or an assignment, I always think like, put all your focus into this one thing. And then once that's done, you can do something else. But that's how I used that. I love that. I feel like that's hard. I mean, for adults to do. Like I have this five minute egg timer I got at the Modern Museum in New York. And sometimes certain days I'll turn on the sand timer. I guess it's not an egg timer, it's a sand timer. And even just working for five minutes can be hard, (laughs) you know? But I actually think about that laser focused um, practice and I'm like, all right, five minutes, you got this. Nothing else matters for the next five minutes. And then inevitably you kind of get into the flow at that point, right? Yeah. Do you think it's harder to concentrate these days because of like having so many devices like your Chromebook and your phone and your video games and your TV? Like when it comes time to focus at school, does it sometimes feel kind of hard? Yeah, it does. Cause there's a, there's a lot of different things like distracting you. Like if you're having a conversation with somebody on like over text, like before class or if you're like playing a game and then that can take your focus away. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it takes a while for you to refocus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, there's actually a word for that. It's so interesting that you can experience that and describe that and articulate that because there's a thing in neuroscience called shift time and it's how long it takes your brain to refocus when it's distracted. So like say you're at school and class and you get a text you break your focus from the teacher and look at the text and then you look back toward the teacher and turn your phone off. You're not automatically focused. It takes your brain like 60 seconds or something to fully come back. So it's so, so good of you that you have that awareness already at this age. 
How does, one more question and then we'll close. You're doing a great job and I really appreciate your time. How does mindfulness practice help you at all socially? I mean, you're at a a really powerful age, like coming of age, you're 15, you're about to start driving. There's a lot going on. You're juggling a lot. Um, so it, can you think of a way it helps you socially and how you feel in the world and just how it is to be you? Well, I don't really have that many problems with like my friends, but if I like get in a fight or something, it's good to use mindfulness to just like breathe through that and then use that to calm myself down. But then also like, just like in the like, world like driving it's good to use that too because when you're driving you can get distracted by everything around you so you want to like i you don't want to do the laser focus when you're driving but like i always like try to think like just focus on this like don't look at inside the car or your phone just focus on the road Mm -hmm. it's really good it makes me feel better about you being on the road (laughs) It's not you I'm worried about. I'm just worried about you being out there in general in the world. <laughs> um, okay, last question. This is a big one. I know I said last question, but for real, last question. You have been using mindfulness practice in your relationship with your sister big time for the last couple of years. How how are you using it with Sloane? Well, it, well, one thing is like... If I want to say something mean, I'll like, sometimes I'll like think about it and then stop myself before I say it. Like use the mindfulness to like take a moment and be like, do I want to say this? But then like if she's annoying me, I can also breathe through it. Like that helps. Yeah, it just helps myself calm down. I mean, it's such a big noticeable difference, isn't it? Isn't it so much better to not get in so much trouble anymore for being mean to her. Yeah. <laughs> but for real, it's like, I can, I can see you going through your process. Like I can see you sometimes open your mouth and then close your mouth, <laughs> take a deep breath. I can see your body receive the deep breath and then you kind of bring yourself back down and life goes on. <laughs> I'm really proud of you. I know that was, and still continues to be, um, a button-pushing relationship, but you know, she loves you so much. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Any last thoughts before we close? No, I think that's it. Okay. I really, really appreciate you doing this with me. Do you recommend mindfulness practice for teenagers? Has it helped you? Like, is it a tool that you're glad you have? Yeah. It's something that I'm glad that I have. Yeah. Yeah, and I think in closing, it's important to remember that it's a practice. And if you're a parent and trying to do it with your child at home, it's not linear. Sometimes you wonder if they're absorbing any of it at all. And then over the years, it just starts to become part of how they operate. And so really just encouraging you that no effort is wasted. Even if you think it's going in one ear and out the other, they're hearing some part of it. And then they start to really use it as part of one of their their personality traits it becomes part of who they are so 
Thank you so much for doing this with me. You're welcome. Love you. Love you Thank you so much for listening to Mindful Talk. We don't take it lightly that you spent your time listening to our podcast, and we are forever grateful. If you'd like to support the podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and leave us a rating and a review. Welcome to a more mindful way of living and working.